You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Discovery Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Spencer Hillitoff. Did I say that right? You got it. Yeah, on the first try. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Spencer is the CEO and co-founder of Madison Investment, which is a real estate investment firm specializing in real estate syndications. He's a passive investor and an active investor. And you know, has understood different challenges busy professionals face when starting out um, in their real estate journey. His mission is to arm investors with know-how to, uh, with the need they make to, to how to make confident investment decisions tailored to their individual life goals. And, you know, prior to investing in real estate, he's had um, several executive roles in the financial technology industry. And, you know, for 13 years prior to that, to starting into real estate, um, he's also, you know, coming at us from the Bay Area, um, and you know, he's been a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council and has many, um, many publications there. And today, we're going to talk about, um, you know, we're recording this kind of mid twenty twenty two, you know, early first quarter, and a lot going on in the market. So uh, different cycles in the market as well, including real estate cycles. Um, so you know, we're, we're, the topic we're going to talk about is how to play financial offense versus defense, and you know, kind of what does fire really mean? You know, we hear a lot about fire and, and, you know, some people, you know, have a, what they call a freedom number. And once they hit the number, you know, they kind of get a little bit lost or they, they, you know, they, they're not any happier or they just hit their freedom number and they don't really know what to do or how to maintain that freedom number or grow that. So uh, we're going to talk about those two topics. So Spencer, thanks for coming on. Yeah, these are fun topics. And thanks so much for having me on, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Excited to be here. Definitely. So, um, so yeah, talk to us a little bit about your background with, uh, you know, the, all the technology uh, roles that you've had and then how did that pivot into real estate for you? And, you know, what does FIRE really mean for you? Yeah. And again, thanks. You know, I appreciate the kind intro and I'm excited to be here and talk about the topic that's just inherently fun for me to talk about. And I feel very fortunate to wake up every day now and basically spend all my professional time on. Um, So yeah, I'm based out here in Alameda, California. It's kind of a little island right between San Francisco and Oakland for those don't know, they don't know the area. Um, Actually grew up in a real estate household. Um, I used to be pretty embarrassed to share that for some reason. I I guess uh, it's not as cool to tell your friends growing up in the Bay Area where everyone else is joining tech companies and, and doing that track to tell you, tell them, hey, I work for my dad's, you know, brokerage business, and uh, yeah, I have to go clean out this fridge for a home he's preparing, you know, or I have to go run an open house this weekend. Sorry, guys, I can't go see that concert with you. Um, so, truth be told, I actually started in real estate, I guess, at the age of six. I don't think that's necessarily meaningful experience, um, but uh, from that, flash forward to uh, now, I run Madison Investing along with my co-founder and CEO, uh, sorry, COO uh, Jennifer Morimoto. Um, she's also my wife. Um, and so we run this like lean distributed team. And it's just a joy to wake up every day and spend time on this because really we never planned to be sitting here. You know, we had 13 year careers, totally separate. Mine was in tech, as you mentioned, Anthony. Um, I had five, five in a row uh, fintech companies 
that I stumbled my way into. And I never thought I'd be in number one, leadership roles of any type. And number two, I mean, really anything financially related. Like I, I didn't wake up one day when I was young and say, I want to go work on anything finance related. I, I, I didn't find it that interesting. I, I used to play in punk rock and metal bands. That's why I've got all these darn tattoos. And, um, you know, I, I was uh, interested in different things, but now here uh, we focus on basically sifting through all the incredible noise of which now there's more than ever, as you, as you mentioned, kind of coming into our conversation today and finding out like, where do we park capital in ways that can actually grow as hedges against inflation, uh, ways that it can actually grow in compelling, you know, velocities that, that that's ideally better than the typical equities markets. Um, you know, we did all that stuff. We did the big 401ks. We dumped money into that stuff. And it was, I walked away from a, a very well-paying W2 uh, leadership job in tech companies about five months before the global pandemic that is COVID. And that was in, let's see, about October of 2019. Um, so I'd been building Madison Investing nights and weekends, early, early mornings for about two years uh, while going in and leading teams during the day. Oh my gosh, I was waking up from 4 a.m., literally 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. That was my, let's go build this company time. Um, and I devour podcasts. You know, I, I listened to, you know, 400 plus podcasts, I think, or something in 18 months, much like the one we're on right now. Um, and uh, read way too many books, you know, more than I needed, uh, something like 24 books. And uh, last thing I do want to mention, though, it's just important background, I think, for folks is that, you know, I look at where we are now. With this very flexible, you know, wonderful lifestyle. You know, I have two young kids, eight and four, both boys, and I get to be more present for them. But all the fuel and the why behind what got me up in the morning at 4 a.m., you know, for two years and what fuels me now, that actually came from some really tough uh, moments in my in my personal life when my dad's business imploded following, you know, the death of my brother when he was a teenager. And I won't go TMI on people. I'll just say that uh, if you peel back the story for anyone out there that you look up to, you know, and, and for me, I, there's so many folks that I look at as mentors and role models for what I want to be like, you know, there, there's usually a more pressing why for them. And for me, I just remember, you know, taking these nuggets away from my dad's business and our, in my journey growing up from this dark decade that I had, uh, in, in that upbringing and watching my dad's business implode following the death of his child and then a divorce and then yada, 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 like all, all that stuff happened. And um, it really left a mark on me to the point where it changed how I want to be a, a dad and a entrepreneur in our own family, you know? And, and I think that that those lessons uh, really fuel me today. Um, and I, I know we don't have a ton of time, but I'll just say, you know, I think that those are the types of topics and the big why uh, that most folks should try to dig into for their own circumstances if they haven't quite found it yet. Cause that, cause you're going to need that fuel. You're going to need like whether you're a passive investor and you want more motivation to underwrite more deals, or you're an active investor who wants to go and try to compete in this crazy market. Um, it's all, it's all comes back to what, what, what's your reason? Sure. Yeah. You have to have a why in order to become, you know, what your definition would be of financially independent and what your goals are. And for you, you have, it sounds like you have multiple whys. Uh, which is, I think, I think great. Um, you know, obviously there's an overarching theme. It, it seems to come together for you, um, which is awesome. So tell us about uh, your real estate journey. Obviously, you know, you started out as a kid, you know, with your father and whatnot. So, you know, where are you today with your own investment firm? What type of investments are you working on? Um, how are you 
protecting yourself, you know, against inflation, as you mentioned, and, you know, how can you, how are you leveraging real estate to sustain and also improve your, your fire lifestyle? Yeah, you know, it's, it's easy to take this in so many directions, but I'll keep it just to some of the numbers because I know some of the more quantitative focused folks out there like myself like that stuff. Um, so just on the active side, uh, since we started Madison Investing officially, we recently passed 30, uh, 30 transactions, 30 deals, and those are comprised of either um, multifamily, like large multifamily, middle market, so 150 plus units. Um, you've also got, you know, self-storage for about maybe 25, 30% of those deals. And those are the two asset classes we have focused on. Um, I try to stick to what I know. And now, I mean, we we look back at the market we've been experiencing for the past, you know, four years, five years in particular, and are just grateful to have been here for that for this moment we've been having with, with the growth. I mean, clearly it was a learning lesson for a lot of us with the COVID uh, kickoff back in March and April of 2020. But that's what we've done now is largely commercial real estate value add strategies, you know, a little more open now to development just because of the market context. But Madison Investing is really just an investment group. And we're not trying to go out and have this massive footprint. We don't even do paid marketing at this point. It's all referral based from happy investors that want to go into deals alongside us as LP investors. So that all kicked off because I was looking for a better place to put our own capital when I was still working full-time and building and leading teams in the tech world. So these days still very much look for a lot of the same fundamentals that, you know, folks probably like yourself and, and others in the business are looking for, you know, we're looking for job growth, job supply, strong employment centers, the places in primarily, you know, Sunbelt, across the United States, you know, from Texas, stretching all the way down and around up through the Carolinas in the most recent, like 12 to 18 months, uh, focused a lot more on looking West, um, you know, closer to my neck of the woods. So we've been looking more so in Idaho, Colorado, uh, Arizona, and, and that's, that's treated us well. Um, I, I think that COVID helped, you know, drive a lot of folks in my neck of the woods in California into some of these markets a bit more accelerated than, than everyone expected. But that's really the, the high level, very, very kind of squishy version of that thesis is, you know, we've done about 30 plus deals now there um, across those two asset classes. And that followed after a phase years ago where we did go out and build a portfolio of turnkey properties leading up to this point. Uh, we got, we didn't do that many by some folks that go into the hundreds of single family homes before they decide to make that leapfrog over to multifamily. We actually got to uh, six, six uh, residential properties before we realized, you know, it, it was just more hands-on management, even with property management than we expected. And so we had I think five turnkeys out in Kansas city, Missouri, um, we still have a local duplex here in the, in the Bay Area, California, uh, that, that one of the first ones we bought, uh, $430,000 for $200 a month in cash flow is not a cash flow win though, Anthony, by any standard. So thank goodness for appreciation. Um, but I would just say that like, that's the type of learning you get when you don't really realize the power of being able to build smart frameworks and looking for how your dollar can go further outside of your local market, particularly if you live in these pricey markets. So that's, that's really the joy that I get to experience on a daily basis now is like most people still don't really understand that these are really things out there that you can invest in. And, there, and there's ways to intelligently de-risk them. You know, you can actually go really analyze them and pick up that one needle in the haystack 
primarily with the people that you really know can pull off these business plans uh, because the big de-risking of these things is the who. Um, it's, it's not even as much the what. Um, you know, of course, the why matters, but the who is the most important part of finding these types of deals. And so that's really the whirlwind version as to working backward where we are now. Um, and then what kind of brought us here asset class-wise. I, I did uh, not mention earlier, though, that uh, what got me down the residential rental uh, investing road was I was actually the last W-2 gig that I had was building and leading the loan origination groups at the biggest hard money lender in the country called Lending Home. Um, you know, we ended up doing about 600 plus individual deals per month, you know, financing those deals. And so that was a boot camp for me um, on the investing world and just seeing how many zeros were on the other sides of these transactions for the folks that were the investors in them. Um, and I was like, eh, I can't swing a hammer though. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a handy guy. I, I use YouTube to fix things around the house. So <laughs> I, I'm better at the other sides of the business acumen with the, the analysis and the partnerships and, and all that wonderful business leadership stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like um, you haven't really uh, pivoted your investment strategy. You know, I guess a lot of people are paying, at least right now, um, kind of raising cash, looking for a little bit of uh cyclicality in the market in terms of real estate. Although you know, I, I think it's probably going to soften a little bit, but not, not like the stock market, you're not going to see immediate, um, you know, downs. So um, how are you kind of setting yourself up for, you know, upcoming late 2022 into 2023, um, you know, obviously higher interest rates, um, talks of possible recession, in my opinion, probably not this year, maybe next year. Um, so how are you kind of, you know, pivoting yourself, you know, did, like you said, de-risking um, your own capital as well as your investor's capital, um, you know, moving forward. You mentioned some of the markets, you know, like you mentioned, you're starting to pivot into different markets, which is a great strategy um, that I found too. So um, is there anything that I was missing from that? No, I think you're spot on. And, you know, and thank you for catching that. I think one of the biggest learnings from the past years of, of being in this business so far has been, um, you know, hold the course whenever possible um, on the on the the methods and ways that you can. It's so easy to get distracted, and it's so easy to let shiny object syndrome or whatever other platitude you want to put to it um, take you away from those core fundamentals. And trying to somehow tune out the unhelpful parts of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt you know that just permeates. So rapidly, I mean, right now more than ever, to your point, I mean, things such as interest rate rises, right? Um, I mean, you and I could both attest to the fact, Anthony, that like interest rate rise has been on the horizon and expected now for years. So it shouldn't be shocking. It's not shocking to you and I. Um, it, it, it certainly comes, it might come across as a shock though, if you'd gone back to me maybe 10, 12 years ago and you're like, hey, uh, wow, the interest rates are about to go up. And by the way, the Fed just bumped it, you know, half a point. Um, and, and I'd go, wow, that's crazy. Oh, wow. Are things okay? You know? And it's like, well, yeah, we, we have known that these are coming. Um, I do think that there's always going to be elements of the macro geopolitical landscape that no one knows. Uh, no one knew COVID was coming years ago. No one knew the current tensions with Ukraine and, and, and Russia were going to be happening this exact way. But what we do know, I forget the brilliant economist that I heard who said this, but it was so helpful when I heard this about six, seven years ago. And it was about the fact that every cycle will come and go mm -hmm. like it'll up and down, et cetera. 
But recessions don't just happen. Um, recessions happen because of a trigger event. And, you know, a good, good example, in March and April 2020, I think enough economists consider that to be an actual recession, albeit it was only two months, technically. So what was the trigger event? Well, we all know. <laughs> um, however, you know, 20, 2008, without going further down this rabbit hole diatribe, I'll just say that was about, you know, residential lending standards and debt and debt structuring. So what will bring about the, the bigger, if there is a bigger quote unquote recession coming of any type and how do you prepare for it? Um, you know, I think that it could be anything. It could be the geopolitical tensions. It could be all of those things, but it's not just going to happen. Like there's going to be some out of the blue recession event. So that's the first comment. The second comment would just be holding to fundamentals and how we prepare for these upcoming months, quarters, and years is really truly just like sticking to those fundamentals, but also baking in like doubling down and baking in a couple of things that we've already been doing, such as like making sure conservative underwriting isn't just a marketing platitude that slapped on every investment summary and offering memorandum in the entire country without any meaning. It actually has to show up in things such as rent growth assumptions. It actually has to show up, particularly in terms of sensitivity analyses for interest rates. Um, you know, interest rate caps are pretty expensive right now. And I, I do think that like, there's certain ways you could still figure that out, but just pass on the deals if, uh, more often. Um, it, you know, the, the, some of this basic, basic stuff. And if you can't really make the deal work, if interest rates have bumped, then you got to walk away. Um, and so, you know, it's, I wish I had more of a silver bullet, but oftentimes it's, it's just the simpler answer here is like, say yes less often, um, and then just be, you know, be stringent uh, about your underwriting standards. <laughs> that's yeah. about it. Was that, that's all I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I kind of like what you said. And I think I, I forget what economists, uh, or maybe it was another Nobel laureate that said this, but in terms of recessions, it's, you know, good times never last, but also bad times never last. So, you know, like you said, preparing for, you know, different cyclicalities in the market is, is smart, but you know, sticking to your principles is key too, regardless of the market. So I really like what you said about that. Um, I know you got to run soon. So, but I wanted to ask you about uh, your experience in the Warp Tour. Uh, you mentioned you were in a band. So, uh, oh, yeah. Playing on guitar and in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, it was, it wasn't doing the whole big tour, but it was our moment of glory for a small local bar band and small venue band, you know. And so that's, I look back very fondly on that. It's not very often that you go from like by day, working in a buttoned up corporate job and then going and performing in front of hundreds of people and somehow, you know, making sure you take it seriously enough. And also I was sweating bullets. I mean, that was intimidating, you know, I'm, a, I'm an introvert by default, but that was, uh, that, that, that was the crescendo of a very short musical professional career. But what do they say that as long as you make $1, you're, you're, you're technically a professional. <laughs> so that was it. There you go. That's awesome. Uh, how can my audience find you, Spencer? Yeah, and, and I agree. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Anthony. Um, so we have a website. It's uh, madisoninvesting.com. And folks can actually just go there and uh, sign up for a you know call just to network with me if they want to. Um, we are only accepting accredited investors at this time. Um, but yeah, please do uh, reach out. Awesome. And we'll have a link to Spencer's website in our social media description, as well as on our um, iTunes description. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would help Spencer and myself get our message out to a greater audience. So we really appreciate that. And thanks for coming on again, Spencer, and look forward to staying in touch. Yeah. Likewise, Anthony, this has been fun. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.